This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. It's Friday, May 5th. Eric Ralph here, broker and branch manager in our home office in Royal, Iowa, joined by Joe Camp, also a broker and branch manager in our office in Bloomington, Illinois. How you doing, Joe? Doing well. Good afternoon. We got some sunshine out my window. I heard a little bit of rain moving maybe through parts of your area this morning. Yeah, I, I think there was enough drops to to maybe say that it might rain, but uh didn't stop planters. It, it really didn't come to fruition like they said it would. I think that's probably one of the biggest things we're looking at right now is, uh you know, I know you don't want to complain too much because you're in a pretty decent area being in Illinois, but talking to people from all over, whether it's Kansas, Nebraska, and, and now even Illinois, everybody's going, boy, we need a drink. Yeah, that's absolutely the case and surprising in the sense that, yeah, we're east of the Mississippi where we've, we've been really well off. And I talked to some farmers that's still in the uh, further eastern Corn Belt, Indiana, Ohio, that are soggy and delayed. Uh, but it's a big contrast with the West and, and surprising, yeah, that we've got so much dust. Of course, with some of the news about the dust storm in central Illinois, um, it kind of catches up on you. And a lot of farmers are expressing that to me as well. Yeah, well, and I think that shift and, and maybe, you know, I, I hate to say that a headline like that would would steer markets. But I think the reality of that dryness and some of the impacts it's having was responsible for for some of the market action this week. I mean, grain wise, we had corn for the week. Uh, July corn up eleven and a half at five ninety six and a half. July beans up sixteen and three quarter at fourteen thirty six and a half. I think the the big rally race here was was the KC wheat up fifty six and three quarter at eight thirty three. So the, the grain market's definitely showing that maybe we're starting to finally see some weather premium here. Weather premium, more geopolitical risk premium, and that's yeah the opposite of what we had. Uh, for the two weeks leading up to this rally. Yeah, it was like the fundamental stuff just didn't matter. It was it was just a technical washout. No money really willing to step in there. And I, I think I'm going to jump around a little bit here on on topics, but it's all kind of tied together. You know, do, do you think we're seeing maybe some uh, interest rate reaction, some some easing on this banking crisis? What's your take on on that side of it having an overall impact to the money flow? It did feel like we had a, an overall relief rally today, and that's not unexpected. We've seen it before. Once we get out of uh, the Federal Reserve meeting like we had this week, they announced that interest rate hike another quarter of a point to 5.25%, but they signaled that they're ready to pause. And it's still going to be a tough situation for the economy and for the central bank having to fight inflation, but also respect that there are concerns with what's going on in the economy. But today, this morning, the jobs report was friendlier than expected, even with the revision on the last month's data being a little bit negative. We're just not seeing a big cool off in the jobs market, even with all the high profile companies and the announcements of layoffs Mm -hmm. Mm can still continue to come. It was just that we'd been down for a couple of days and down hard. And we got that jobs report and uh, wanted to have a rosier attitude heading into the weekend for sure. And that just was overall a risk a risk on type mentality that did seem to support further upside for the grains as well. Well, yeah, and and I I think the only thing that maybe kept the throttle back a little bit here to end the week was the the glooming forecast of potential rainfall in a lot of areas. Now it, it seems like the the theme has been. 
we have this forecast. It looks good. We're supposed to get a decent rain. And then every day we get closer, the chances get lower. The totals get lower. And ultimately, by the time it hits, maybe we get something, maybe we don't. And, and I think there's a lot of people feeling that that's the case. And that kind of goes along with being dry in general. You know, the, the old moisture begets moisture and, and there just isn't any. And so I, I think that's probably the only thing that kept us in check is that potential rainfall. Otherwise, we might have seen even steeper gains chasing the wheat market higher. Yeah, traders maybe had a, a different approach to today's flip of the forecast because it was a flip from yesterday, withdrew a lot of that moisture, and then put it back in on the midday update. And so now we know we're set up over the weekend of potentially being let down uh, for some of these rains heading into next week. And I think that sets us up well heading into next week that we're hopeful we get some of those showers, but not going to count on them by any means. It'll be still a back and forth between knowing that a break in the rain will allow planters to roll. But like we started off with, everybody's going to want that really good dose of spring rain, especially on crops that were just put into the ground. And there's no guarantee of that yet, even with all we've uh, looked forward to in terms of a potential El Nino coming in and the Mm -hmm. active weather pattern that could follow with the outgoing La Nina and the cooler waters in the Western Pacific. All of those things should bode well. For the summer, but they haven't necessarily uh, made a big, big impact yet in a favorable enough way. So I think a good amount of healthy skepticism on that new forecast is warranted. Yeah, well, and and along those lines, I, I was just kind of digging around in charts a while back and looking for something. I'm talking mid to late April. I'm looking for some kind of a visual comparison to what we were seeing, and I ended up on the mon- monthly continuation chart in the corn. Really, the one that stuck out to me was 2012, and that was a little concerning. 2012 had a similar setup where it looked like we were going to be wet. We made a May low and then rallied, of course, to the 843 mark by the time we hit August because the rains didn't come, the crop was burning up, and we were in that historic drought. So then I kind of took it a step further and went and looked at the December chart on a continuation basis. And 2012, December makes its low in May at $5. And I'm looking at this on, I think it was Wednesday, when December corn made the early morning low of 512. And actually, I think it was 512 and a half and then rallied back to post a a dying gain on the day. And we just kept moving from there. So when we're looking for some kind of comparative years, uh, I hate to say it at this point, but if that El Nino is delayed, we could be looking at uh, 2012 as our closest comparison. Right. And some of those El Nino patterns, the way they shape up can flip it so that we'll get moisture relief where it was so dry in the southwest. But then. Uh, install some of that drought worry into the sort of eastern middle of the Corn Belt. And that's, again, not where they're dry coming into the season necessarily. But if we get into the summer and temperatures are hot and uh, we're just without those consistent enough uh, rainfall events, then we know what can happen. And that's why it's not by any means too early to think that there could still be more weather risk premium to enter into the mix early in this growing season. Oh, I, I definitely agree. And and one of the other things and, and kind of kind of along the same lines, but shifting gears a little bit, we talk about the drought and, and the lack of moisture and, and we've all been hearing about. And of course, amongst ourselves, we've been talking about the lack of production in Argentina. And now, you know, if you look at total numbers between Argentina and Brazil, I don't even think that the increases in Brazil are going to offset these losses in Argentina. 
with regards to soybeans. Of course, the corn, we still have some time to tell, but South American total production likely won't be better than a wash from last year unless I'm seeing things differently. That's the same conversation, actually, I just had in part with uh, David Cruz. And so to preview, you know, what's to come next week and, and starting with the Sunday market preview that I'll write here in a couple of days, uh, we're going to be considering a recommendation on reownership of some soybeans because it's directly tied to what we're seeing in South America. The draw there and, and crushed demand from Argentina and for what they're missing, only just like you say, being offset by the record crop gains in Brazil. Uh, still some you know logistical issues trying to get that crop out and eventually running into the Safrina uh, export program that I think bodes well for the U.S. late in the marketing season. And we go to the U.S. Uh, situation and we see how tight old crop stocks are. We're uh, at a stocks to use ratio below 5%. We haven't seen that since right 2012. And we look at um, the potential for end users to still be scrambling for coverage late into the summer with still the same risk that we just got done talking about on the new crop. And, uh, you know, that should be reason we could still see some upside on the on the front end of these soybean markets. So, you know, recommendation to come on that, but absolutely something that's still in the mix here as we look at that big drought in Argentina. And it's not just in in South America. We've talked about still lingering drought in Spain, heat waves and issues in India and parts of Asia. So, you know, anytime you've got the big shift in, uh, like we just uh, were discussing La Nina to El Nina or back and forth, uh, we're likely to have some weather extremes and we're still dealing with those for sure. Right. And could see the same in Central Europe as we move through the rest of summer here. No, they can turn into a big, you know, wheat importer and rely a lot on the U.S. market to make up for what they're buying elsewhere. Well, especially if we're going to hold Russia's feet to the fire and actually keep them from uh, funding their war efforts against Ukraine, you know, at some point, these Western European countries are going to have to bite the bullet and buy from somewhere else. Same uh, with the energy market. We're still waiting for the next shoe to drop there, where that's been such the opposite of what we had anticipated a year ago, shutting off these energy supplies with the sanctions against Russia. Now seeing that they could maybe bite in a bigger way, especially if that export deal is dismantled in a couple of weeks, the energy market's going to be important too. Well, and along the lines of the energy market, we saw, what was it, Wednesday night, right off the open, crude oil just crashes. I I went to look at a minute chart just to find out how quickly and how abrupt it was, and $4.30 inside of a minute in the front month crude oil, and I've since heard that it was just an error in in an order entry, had to have been managed money doing a massive quantity at the same time and probably cost themselves dearly in the process, but aside from that, it looked like crude wants to go back up and get into what has been the normal trading range. We're right up against it right now, right up against what would be the normal bottom, I guess I should say. That rally that we saw today finally maybe confirmed a turnaround uh, while we're hearing more and more talks of extended E15 use through summer. What do you feel like we have for an impact on the overall corn picture from that regard. Back to what uh, Lori told us uh, from our Garden City office in this week's uh, meeting about ethanol stocks having dropped to their lowest levels since December. We're seeing that that could, as it has been a negative ethanol production down lately, it can flip into a positive here pretty quickly when we talk about the summer driving season coming and the ramp up in usage there. So that's a big deal. And we know how tied to the energy market the soy complex is. And that's been really a key part of what we're seeing with some big moves in soy oil 
and ultimately some return of optimism in a big way about what's ahead for this soy capacity crush, you know, this crush expansion that is going to be coming online here this summer. I feel like that's been a bullish piece at the end of this week for both markets, corn and soybeans. But anytime you get crude oil rallying along with the stock market and it's a risk on trade, we know how that can lead all commodities higher. And like you said, definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think people's eyes were open by that last NOPA crush report with regards to soybeans. They saw how much they were really digging in and going after the soy oil for renewable diesel, biodiesel. The one that typically historical fundamental thing that's going to shift and it, and you can kind of start to see it now is meal doesn't necessarily have to be the leader. You know, we've, we've heard for, well, my whole life anyway, a meal rally is a real rally. And that doesn't necessarily have to be anymore, not with the way we've seen this paradigm shift. That's right. And it doesn't have to be, but it can be again if we're going to deal with the Argentina issues. They're one of the top Mm -hmm. exporters of meal, of course. But for that to take the back seat right at the moment to the domestic soy oil storyline, if they're both firing on all cylinders, you know, bullishly, that's going to be a different scenario than what we've seen past. And how many times have we commented on it that the products are going in opposite direction with a real heavy spread trade? Well, that can shift and, and they could both be higher to lead the, the overall soy complex and then therefore soybeans up. And so I don't want to get uh, too bullish, but that's definitely something that was uncovered uh, in positive fashion here. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think worth touching on before I get to livestock, you know, we saw that Wednesday was the turnaround day for the grains. And of course, we had breaking headlines early in the morning that some drones were shot down over the Kremlin. Russia immediately blames Ukraine, calls it an attempt on Putin's life. And in in our meeting that we had on Wednesday, the discussion was uh, centered around, you're really not going to do much damage shooting fireworks from a remote controlled drone. But uh, all jokes aside, that, that may have been enough to make managed money realize that maybe we don't want to be too short these grain markets from these price levels. And then you saw the entire complex kind of come around after that. So hopefully that'll at least scare them enough to keep things moving higher and and liquidate some of these shorts. And and maybe even we see uh, a a more risk on driven by higher equities and crude oil and the overall economic picture moving forward. That was a big part of it, Russia and Ukraine kicking it off and then leading into the weekend. You just don't know what will happen over two days over there, and, and that deserves a little bit extra risk given uh, what's happened here. And then also considering that we're in the lead up here pretty quickly to the official sort of end to that grain export deal, even though it's already winding down. Right, right, yeah. And next week's headlines are going to be big in that regard, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, on the livestock, not going to go too deep into this, but we did see kind of a washout here. And of course, a lot of these rallies came after the livestock had already washed out, uh, with the exception of hogs here late on Friday. Some of the sow culling that we've been hearing about, especially regards to Smithfield, that material or that supply is, uh, hitting the market as early as now, apparently, because packers were getting what they needed and not having to work at it. We saw June hogs for the week down 793, and half of those losses came just today. That while June cattle were down 355 at 161.92. Cattle needed some kind of correction. This wasn't extraordinary. Uh, we could still see some more downside there. Hogs, they need to find a bottom sooner than later. Do you think that uh, we could be close here? Feels like we should have some uh, rebound potential after this sharp of a slide, some short covering slash profit taking on that big net short position held by the hedge funds. I think it's exactly what the, what you alluded to in the sense that we're flooding the market. 
uh, with supply short term. I will say that is what eventually leads you to the longer term upside potential is that uh, we know if, if you're slaughtering sows, you're going to have contraction later this summer. And that's a similar actually dynamic than what we've talked about what's going on in China with the African swine fever issue flaring up again, uh, killing off a, a lot of the uh, herd only to uh, likely be short on supplies later this year. And so I want to be bullish about demand and seeing that these last couple of weeks have been near record or near record pork exports and think that uh, ultimately we're going to have the summer grilling season kick off. And I know I'll do my part to, to help out here. And I, I think <laughs> yeah. as long as we're, we're still bullish cattle, uh, for the most part, you got to look at that discount that the hogs hold and, and yeah. think that we've got some upside even for that, if only for that reason. Right, right. Well, and beef really hasn't kept pace with cattle either. And, and so as beef prices go up, pork demand should go up. So, all right. Well, anything else you want to cover specifically, Joe? I was going to mention the outside markets. I think we uh, mostly covered what we saw today was a sort of risk on mode. Uh, but I'll say that's the caveat here. If we come up with fundamental bullishness over whether it's weather or still being friendly about uh, demand on the processing side, a pickup in exports, if the dollar continues to go down, well, that's going to be broken if we've got this return to economic worry. And I don't want to rule that out yet because there are signs that, you know, there are some issues that we got to be wary of uh, that could turn this thing back lower, even if, you know, the, the fundamentals don't necessarily beg for it. And I don't think that's the short-term path for these grain markets, but it is going to be something I watch out as a risk for longer term this summer. Yeah, no, that's that's good stuff. I appreciate it. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening this week for the weekly recap. And uh, join us next Friday, and we'll see what we've got going on. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.